Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, and welcome to the third annual Sarah Takeover of the Only Podcast. I'm joined today by your co-host, Sarah G. You can find her on Twitter until it's inevitable death, at Sgender. And I am your other co-host, Sarah Norris. And you can't find me on Twitter. Send a pigeon, send a Pony Express, send anything. Uh, Okay, so off the top, breaking news today, Sarah. We've got America's favorite walk-on, Matt Ishbia buying the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury for $4 billion. I mean, just casual, like wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? I got a couple extra billion. I'm going to buy a few sports franchises and I'm glad for him. I guess I feel like there are a lot of things you can do with billions of dollars, but if that's the path you choose, then, then good for you. Um, might I request that he really pour some money into the WNBA side of things as well and not just care about the Suns, but like, it's not my money. I can't police what you do with it. Good for you, Matt Ishbia. Um, way to add another uh, billionaire MSU alum uh, sports franchise owner to the list, I suppose. Yes, we love it. Um, definitely, <laughs> you can do a lot with $4 billion, but buying a sports team is, is not the not the worst thing you can do with $4 billion. I can think of worse things billionaires have bought recently. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> well, here we are exactly one year since our, our last pod. And um, hey, at least we're not coming on here after another like record-breaking loss to Northwestern. I feel like we did that a couple of years ago. Then we did a big loss to Kansas. Are we the problem? We never truly know. But it's always an option, I think. Um, instead, we come to you after the 2022 um, football season that I think a lot of us would like to forget. But once again, we're going to come here with a little bit of a less doomy perspective, I think. Uh, John and Austin delivered that to us uh, last week. And I think we're, we're, we just have a few other things to offer. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I mentioned, I'm not on Twitter and I haven't been on Twitter since May. So I feel like, by the way, Great for my mental health. And I feel like I have seen, and we all have seen, some really bad Michigan State football seasons. I mean, does the name Andrew Maxwell ring a bell? I'd like, rather it didn't. Does the three and nine, does you know, season ring a bell? Does, you know, does, does uh, the entire John L. Smith tenure ring a bell? Um, so, like, for me, I thought after the really bad skid 
with getting our ass kicked by Washington and then by Minnesota and then losing to Maryland, which was the game that I absolutely couldn't stomach. I was like, if Mel can get this team bowl eligible, I would consider this like a salvaged season. And that did not come to pass, but it was real, real, real close. You know, like they, they really did. They won some big games that they, they didn't have to beat Illinois. They didn't have to beat Wisconsin. They could have just, they could have just not tried and they could have lost those games, especially after the, uh, Michigan post-game incident. So, you know, I, I think that there's not there's plenty to be unhappy about, but I don't think it's the worst Michigan State football season I personally have ever suffered. <laughs> no, definitely not. And like, I think I should have known when I decided to go to the Washington game. I am famously a Michigan State sports curse. Um, and instead I chose to be selfish and hop on a boat and tailgate my way over to that stadium to see, you know, what I thought was going to be another exciting year. And then we all remember that game. Also, side note on that one, why does Michael Penix Jr. continue to haunt our lives? He's going back to Washington. We have to play them again next year. And quite frankly, I have seen enough of him to last me the rest of my life. But really, I should have known after that that things were not going to be quite what we thought they were. And I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people with this take. And, you know, we had an incredible talent in K-9 that, you know, they plucked from the transfer portal that did incredible things for Michigan State. I mean, he wasn't the only reason why they won so many games last year, but certainly having a guy that you can count on to score five touchdowns a game definitely changes things up um, for your offense. And and when Peyton was struggling, especially earlier, not having just one go-to guy, you know, we had a lot of injuries this year. Um, you know, the lines were never consistent. I don't think they started the same offensive line pretty much all year, which is a really great stat that I love. And I also maybe just made up, but I think that that's pretty accurate. Um, there was just a lot of inconsistencies and they really had a problem building week to week. I think we knew it would be hard to beat Michigan. They were, they were always going to be super talented this year. We knew it was going to be difficult to beat Ohio state. Once again, you know, they always seem to return ridiculous talent or find, you know, five stars every which way. Um, But when you, when you have so many injuries, when you have so many inconsistencies, and then you have your coaching staff making mistakes like clock management issues at the end of games, you're really not setting yourselves up for, for a successful year, you know? Yeah, totally. And I'm actually looking back at my text messages from the Western game, which was the first game of the year, just about injuries. And I think you were on a plane or something because I was texting you and there was that series in Western against Western where like six guys got hurt over the course of like four plays and that included Snow, it included Henderson, yes. Jaden came up limping. And so like it makes you really, and I think we talked about this earlier in the season, it makes you really uh, cherish seasons like last season where there were relatively few injuries to Michigan State last season. It's part of the reason they did so well. You know, having, what was it, six defensive starters out for the first four or five games really, and, and you could tell they played a lot better. Uh, once they got those guys back. So, like, you know, obviously, again, there are things to complain about. We will complain about those things. But, like, sometimes, and especially when you're a team like Michigan State where you're not at the top of the recruiting list, you know, depth is going to be an issue. You can Mm -hmm. have guys like Snow and Henderson and and Jaden Reed and, you know, 
Slade who go out for long periods of time, it, it really hurts you because you need those guys. Like Henderson. Yeah, I was just going to so say. So key to that defense, you know, yeah. and, and just not having him there was such a big deal. And, and I think not only, like, just for the defense, but the team recognizes him as a leader. Yes. And when he can't go out there and, like, demonstrate by, like, effort, I think you lose so much there. And clearly the defense fell apart after he got injured. Losing Snow wasn't great either, but I would argue that losing Henderson had larger impact in the long run. Um, We were super fortunate that he was able to come back and and salvage things a bit down the end. But at that, you know, by that point, we had kind of started in our in our spiral and and really struggled to get to get back from those holes. For sure. And I think to talk about the coaching, you know, we talk about clock management. That's mm-hmm. fine. I have two other, I have one large beef I would like to Please. levy against all of college coaching in general. And honestly, football coaching, it's the, it's the rise of the analytics, right? Where, where we're going for it on fourth down, where we're like doing things that, that I guess mathematically makes sense, but like logically are dumb. I would like to see less of that. Like, I would like to see, I mean, I understand part of the reason we went for it on fourth down so much this year is because um, no one could kick. No one could kick. Sorry. No one could kick, which was a problem. But I just, like I said, this is just like a larger issue where it's like, they don't think about the game. They don't, they don't consider like, look, man, you can try to tell me that sports are like unemotional, you know, mathematical, predetermined sort of things all you want but I refuse to believe it and like sometimes even though the analytics say you should go for it in a certain down and distance situation common sense tells you that you should not and so I would like to stop that please I agree you know that's not just us that's (laughs) literally everyone who's coaching football at the moment you know what is also like I forgot about but it just popped back into my head like not only could we not kick but our long snapper was out for a long time which Hank Pepper who is apparently in the transfer portal which I didn't realize until I just googled his name but everybody's in the transfer portal I just (laughs) I take it as like testing the free agency waters and seeing what sort of offers you get and then they either come get you or you go somewhere else but our long snapper was out for a long time which led to an even bigger journey every time we had to kick I have something. never cared so much about snapping in my no. entire life because it was so bad. And then also we were going to, I was going to mention him and things that went well, but we'll bring him up now. Bryce Berenger, punt king, punt king. Having, having to deal with the worst snapping. I mean, of all time. And like, as a testament to how good of a punter he is, he was able to turn a lot of like really troublesome situations into halfway decent punts but like yeah the I don't I, I don't want to care about long snapping get a backup long snapper please <laughs> like, but what I do want to rant about is how our punt king was not the national punter of the year but he was the big 10 punter of the year but he got beat out for the national punter of the year by the Rutger punter tell me how that makes make sense. it make sense make it make, make sense, it make sense. And am I a little bit sad that all I have to rant about angrily is our punter not winning the best award? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Last year we were ranting about a guy not going to the Heisman ceremony. This year we're on to punters. And honestly, Look. I think that's where you really dive deep into your fandom. That's where you really see like what you can go through. I'm comfortable, I suppose. I would like to get back to arguing about Heisman candidates. But for now, I will be carrying the Bryce Beringer punter of the year flag for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, I mean, give Bryce and his Rex specs his flowers. He deserves them. It's what he deserves. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say about coaching, it probably doesn't bear much more discussion, but it's something at the end of the season you're going to look at it. Um, the fighting was bad, and yep. we should figure out what led to that and make sure it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I yeah. think that new coaches, this obviously happened under Mark D'Antonio, like uh, uh, not fighting with another team, fighting you know within the athletic department, but... You, you got to get that. Whatever that was, it's got to be brought under control. Yeah. I think that if Bell deserves scrutiny for anything, it's that. Even though I do think he handled it well. Yeah, I and think, they- yeah, I don't, I, I think you and I could both talk about this for hours. Um, and I think everything that ha- could be said has been said. And, and obviously things are, are playing out as they were. I think Michigan State handled it as best they could. It was terribly embarrassing. I think Mel was embarrassed by it. And it was just one of those things where it's like, you don't want to give people any more credence to the same old Sparty situation. And I know it's not the same as what they were saying, like before where you're just, you know, like John L slapping himself in the face, that was same old Sparty, all of those things. But like, you know, that you're, you're better than that. Your behavior is better than that. And for me, it's kind of towing the line between passion and recklessness. And I think where Mel got a lot of criticism this year is he has a lot of shtick and the shtick is fun when you're winning, you can chop into your hands until said hands fall off. But if you are no longer winning, the shtick doesn't work. And that's something that I've kind of, you know, been thinking about over this last season anyways. It's just like we love Mel for a lot of reasons. We love him because he's really smart. He's a good coach. He brings in energy to the team that I don't think we've had for a while. Like, you know, the last couple of years at D'Antonio, he wasn't super engaged. He wasn't in the trenches, all of those things. Mel gave people something to be excited about. And then we had a random 11 win season, which we hope is not random in the long run. But where it gets exhausting is if you're seeing silly mistakes on the field and off the field, you really can't back up the chopping. You can't back up the deep water. You can't back up any of that stuff if you're not winning and your guys aren't aren't following, you know, kind of the, the straight and narrow there. So not much more needs to be said about the the in the fighting and, and all of that, but just hopeful that we can we can truly move forward from it. Um, but I think, you know, unfortunately when you have a coach that you give a massive contract to, first of all, I'm not policing dollars. It's not my money. It's not coming from the students. It's coming from billionaires who want to outbid each other. Okay. That's up to you. If that's how you want to spend your money, whatever. I have no issue, you know, with the money, but I think you're, you're going to get scrutiny when your coach's contract set the tone and then you aren't full eligible the year after that happens. Yeah. I I mean, I do not envy Mel Tucker the amount of expectation. I would say that if they don't have, and they just can't get bowl eligible next year either. I think that they have to be like a seven win team minimum, probably more like it. You know what I mean? Before he, for him to truly avoid the hot seat, because we said we weren't going to talk about this, but just to bring it up, right? Yeah. The future of the conference in 2024 is only going to get more wild. You know what I mean? This conference, the Big Ten as a whole, is not getting any more uncomplicated. You know, it is really, I think, like the SEC, as we get the expansion of these massive, massive conferences, you're really going to get into these stratas of, like, haves and have-nots. And Michigan State has is really right in that middle area. Like, you know, we yep. historically are 
I don't think anyone would say this is an unfair thing. We have great years. We have bad years. We have yeah. average years. We are not a perennial powerhouse. Um, no. As John and Austin once said so uh, astutely, if you want a perennial powerhouse, can I point you in the direction of the basketball team? <laughs> but yeah. they have to be really careful not to land on the wrong side of that, like, have versus have not line. Yeah. If you fall into the bottom tier of a big, big conference like that, oh boy, you are just fighting an uphill battle. And it would be a shame to see all the work that's been done over the past, you know, 10, 15 years be wasted um, because, you know, because we just couldn't get it together. And I think that, you know, one thing that people have said in this offseason that I think is really fair is not Mel, the assistants. Are there going to be some coaching changes? Yeah. You know, I think it's really fair to say, is this the best offense? Like, this is the best scheme we can put on the on the field? Yeah. Like, is this the best? Are these the best plays we can run? Is this the best decision making we can have? Um, you know, I, I think that that's really fair to ask because, you know, and the when you're a ten million dollar you know contract guy, the buck stops with you. So it's like, yep. you know, you've got to pull the trigger on those guys. I don't care how long you've been friends. I don't care how much you like them. You know, at yeah. a certain point, if it's not working, it's not working. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing we saw towards the end of D'Antonio, where it was like loyalty to his guys. And that's fine for a little bit, but I think you all have to have the conversation, like you said, about is this the right scheme for the guys that we've got? Forget what guys you think you're going to get five years down the road. Who do you have now, you know, and and what can you do with them successfully? I know, I think we talked a lot last year about Ben don't break. Well, this year we broke. So maybe that don't break isn't isn't going to apply here. And once again, I think like if we're talking about the defense specifically, um, a lot of injuries there to overcome. And um, that's not necessarily anyone's fault, but really like not being able to adjust to what you have is is I think where the concerns are. And I'm curious to see if there are any changes. I don't think we've heard anything thus far. Mm -hmm. And I guess it would be rather early. Um, I forget that it's bowl season still um and because we've all moved on we're like all right basketball season here we go um but you know there's plenty of time to make those decisions and I hope they they have some real thoughtful conversations about what we want to be moving forward um and who are the right guys to to lead us there yeah for sure and uh great segue into who we have and who we're gonna have uh today is actually uh national early signing day not a lot of action on the Michigan State front. Um, I wanted to touch on this because John Austin spent a lot of time on it last week. So MSU has had a bunch of decommits. There was some worry about the class size. Over the past couple of days, they have gotten um, some more decommits, but some they've added some guys as well. Uh, so four-star linebacker Javon Brown uh, reopened his commitment. So, you know, it's possible he could still sign, but, you know, it's, it's not uh, – not clear what he's going to end up doing. Uh, on the plus side, Michigan State uh, did pick up a commit from four-star uh, quarterback Sam Levitt. Uh, he is from Oregon. He's the number one recruit from the state of Oregon. So, you know, it's good. We like to see it. That's a good pickup. Um, we also got a couple of guys out of the porter. Aaron Alexander, who was a former yes. uh, U of M commit. Mm-hmm. He ended up at Massachusetts last year. He only played a couple of games. Coming back to Michigan. We like to see that. Yeah, and he, they, was a, he was a three-star, which isn't bad. I don't mind when we play in that space. It seems like they allow us a lot of more um, development opportunities. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, look, you can say whatever you want about, about Michigan. You know, we don't, certainly don't have to like them. But people who are being recruited by that program generally express a high level of, of desirable qualities. So, yep. you know, 
Uh, other one we got is uh, running back Nathan Carter from UConn. He committed just a couple days ago on Sunday. I think he was a two-star recruit, but he um, has been pretty productive with the, the Huskies. He was hurt last season, but, uh, you know, we're just beefing up those running back options, I guess. So we, we did miss on, uh, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Kendrick Kendrick Riscano, who was kind of sure. our top running back target. Um, yeah. He, he chose, I don't know, somebody else. I didn't look. But <laughs> it looks like we had the phone ready to call our, our pal Nathan um, when, when Kendrick chose not to, uh, to and we sign haven't, to We haven't heard. Eli Collins hasn't declared yet. I think I'm I'm looking real quickly here. So um, he could potentially return next year, too. So um, And Jalen Berger is, is staying yes. as well. Um, so we could have some depth again at the running game. I hope we use them which always seems to be <laughs> the thing um, in the right spaces. Yeah. <laughs> but um, looks like potentially we could have another healthy um, running game. Yeah, it's it's always a little frustrating with the running game. And I think that uh, even the year before we had Kenneth, you know, it was always kind of this sort of like rotating, trying to find the hot hand, you know, in the running game. And I, I think that that is a, another thing that Mel exhibited this year where, you know, sometimes you would see Colin, sometimes you'd see Berger, sometimes you'd see Broussard, you would see, you know, just, just whoever they, they felt like, you know, they, it, it never really seemed to have much rhyme or reason. So, um, yeah, it would be good. The depth is good, but, you know, it would be good to also find kind of like a, a main guy or even a one-two punch. So yeah. we'll see We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, also transfer, we talked about kicking. Jack Stone is leaving. Um, I wouldn't want to kick here either. It's cursed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stage, like, let's get back right. to the stage routine. Like, how right. do we, do we just like put a picture of our ginger prince up? And see if like maybe he can help, you know, bring the bring the kick the kicking game back back up to par. I don't. That was terrifying to hope that you didn't have to kick a field goal. Like you always want to touch them, but my goodness, we should not be afraid to kick a twenty yard field goal. Right. And we were. Can we get a little mural of like Morton Anderson and the Ginger Prince just like in the in the locker room? But we do also have a kicker coming in from the portal. Uh, what is his name? Jonathan Kim from UNC. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, though, it seems like he has only done place kicking. Uh, he is not. He missed an extra point. And, no, sorry. He has three three main extra points and one missed field goal. He's a junior at UNC, so he doesn't do a lot of <laughs> that. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll take it. I guess we need we need somebody to kick. So there's got well. to be somebody on that campus who can actually kick a field goal. Surely, truly. <laughs> can we? Uh, I think we pull the soccer teams, men's yeah. team, women's team, women's team, anybody. The women's team was great this year. Get one of them. I'm sure. Do we have any rugby do. players? Like literally, anything. there's somebody hidden on that. There's a lot of students there. Get an students. open call for kickers, like Kicking in that. Open movie with Mark Wahlberg or whatever about the Eagles. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know the name of it, but I do no, know. No, me either. And that's, yeah. a, that's a deep pull. If somebody wants to, if you guys want to Google that and try and figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Okay. Um, so it is bowl season. Uh, Michigan State not going to a bowl, but there are bowls. They're happening. There's one There's happening what, right now. Yeah. Right now, the mighty Eastern Michigan Eagles are beating somebody. The game just went off. San Jose State. San Jose State. Yeah, 
um, in the Idaho Potato Bowl, which is exciting. Yeah, they're winning 41 to 27 with about uh, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So good for Eastern. Um, love to see that. Though I hate their weird gray uniforms on the blue turf, but that's a story for another day, I suppose. This is truly one of my favorite named bowls. I say it on this damn podcast every year. It sounds like something you would order off the menu at a KFC. Right. I'll have one famous Idaho potato bowl, please. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorite bowls. I, I truly an old timer. Another favorite bowl of mine is the Cheez-It Bowl, just because I love that Cheez-It leans way in. And in fact, this year they're leaning in further. I'm fairly certain at whatever is the official hotel there, they have like two Cheez-It themed rooms that you could stay in. And I don't know how you can get that, but I would like to stay in a Cheez-It themed room that isn't my living room with me eating (laughs) Cheez-Its on the couch. You're welcome. Yeah. She's a themed room, aka the living room of the house we lived in when we went to Michigan State. Um, (laughs) Other good ones. John Austin talked about the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I love the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's just another fun. It turns out the food bowls are great. Leave the like tax slayer bowl and the quick lane bowl. Nobody nobody cares about those. Food bowls, though. We love them. You know what, what makes me laugh about the Mayo Bowl, though, is that they put out a press release this year that both head coaches agreed to get a Mayo bath should yes. they win the Mayo Bowl. I think there was some contention last year that the coach yeah. was opposed to the mayo dowsing. I don't know why you would be opposed to being <laughs> doused in mayo, but I don't know. Hot take though, I don't really care for Duke's mayo. Just wanted wow, to that, that is a hot take. I know. Good. I know. Thank you. Uh, and I like mayonnaise, but I don't think that I would like it like on me. Although it's supposed to be good for your hair, so you know, there's Yeah, that. maybe you could emerge with a real shiny mane and <laughs> you'd be so moisturized. You'd be so <laughs> So hydrated. Um, and then we got the New Year's Six Bowls. Uh, Wait, you forgot my favorite bowl. I, got, I suppose it's a New Year's Six. The Orange Bowl taking yeah. itself incredibly seriously this year uh, in only um, allowing teams wearing orange to play there. So Tennessee and Clemson are playing each other. And I just wanted to tell the Orange Bowl, I am proud of you for standing up for what you believe in. And that is orange. <laughs> It's going to look like a damn creamsicle, that game. It's going to be... What uniform combinations are they going to wear? Everybody should just go full orange, because I think their shades of orange are a little bit different. Hello, Nerdlebert. It's kind of like Um, a red, reddish orange, and Tennessee is that, of course, that creamsicle sherbet orange. Yeah, just all orange. Yeah, lean in, everybody. Orange helmets. Do you get doused? in orange slices if you win not orange well, juice that's obvious i want they slices that, they have that big goblet of whole oranges which i guess you could dump on somebody if you wanted to but they give them that big like crystal it's a big crystal bowl full of oranges. that's fine but imagine a pile of orange slices covering <laughs> your head after you win a bowl game that's what just, i would lean into just put a bunch of orange slices in a, in a gatorade thing and just dump them on i think that that sounds great i'm, yeah. I'm here for that Get me on the committee. Yes. Other New Year's Six uh, stuff. I, I was looking at the New Year's Six Bowls, and I wanted to talk about this because we all have our ancillary fandoms. I've mentioned this before. Everybody in my family went to Penn State. They're big Penn State fans. To listen to people in my family talk, you would think that Penn State was absolutely atrocious, right? Penn State is playing in the Rose Bowl this year. They are ranked number 11. They're playing in the Rose Bowl against Utah, and Penn State fans are mad. Penn State fans are mad 
about the potential to have a top 10 team and play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Like, think about us last year when we had a top 10 team and we're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. We were elated. Loved it. So I think that this goes back, like, to what we're talking about with, like, haves and have-nots in the conference. Penn State's a problem. They're really good. They're a really, really good team. They got their ass kicked by two playoff teams. Yeah. They got their ass kicked by Michigan. They got their ass kicked by Ohio State. Yeah. They feel like, you know, they kind of have that Notre Dame syndrome where prior to being in, and this is, this is like fans, not like, these are like older fans, right? Yeah. Prior to not being in the Big Ten, they weren't in any division and they just like whooped up on Pitt every year and they were, <laughs> you know, they, that's how they won their national championships in the 80s. And now they play in a real conference and they're like, well, we can't ever beat Ohio State. And and also, they won the Big Ten not that long ago. I mean, it wasn't recently, but it was in, like, what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, like I that. think around there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Penn State fans are unhinged. And everybody who, who – all fans of schools like that are unhinged, right? And when I say schools like that, I mean – it's also good to remind ourselves, though, that it's not just Michigan fans that drive us crazy in this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure yeah. Alabama fans are this way. Penn State fans are this way. I'm sure Notre Dame fans are, fans are this way. Just, like, those big – legacy programs that think they should be the only team that has ever existed sometimes they're just real crazy and i hope i mean i want michigan state to have a lot of success but i hope we never sort of like take playing in the rose bowl for granted right i mean think back (laughs) on when when we did it like against stanford like one of my biggest regrets is not going to that game though again as i mentioned i'm a curse so it's probably played out as it should um, with me not attending, but yeah, you know, you never want to take something like that for granted. And I think as they expand, um, the playoffs, like you see more, more people playing there, but, um, yeah, to, to be upset about that is something I did see before Ohio state got into the playoffs that the Rose bowl committee was concerned about having them back because they didn't sell out their ticket allotment because the Ohio state fans were like, uh, no playoffs. We don't want to go, which, right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's the same kind of mentality know. where it's yeah. like they're like, oh, going to the Rose Bowl is disappointing. And I'm like, I would take that disappointment Yeah, every year. So I think this year I would have taken playing in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. So, <laughs> so maybe, bowl. maybe our perspective is off here. Um, and then speaking of the, the playoffs, so um, it's going to be Michigan versus TCU and then Georgia versus Ohio State. I don't really have a whole lot of hot takes except for like go frogs, ribbit. Yeah. You know, I don't remember what their <laughs> what their cheer is, but I have always been a fan of frogs. And I think well documented have, people have said that about me for years. She loves a frog. If you're going to talk to Sarah, like bring your frog facts because she'll be excited we are, about that. We are on the record as being pro pro frog. Um yeah, I think that the playoff is really, and, and this is something else, like just talking about like Ohio State and their like craziness is like, it's interesting to think about what happens to Michigan and and or Ohio State should they lose in this first round, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're Michigan and you make the playoff two years in a row, but you don't make the national championship game, are you happy? Probably and not. And if you're Ohio State and you squeak in, through no merit of your own, you you got in this playoff because everybody else fucking fumbled the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Explicit. <laughs> you got in this playoff because everybody else fumbled the bag. And so, like, and if you lose, you know, it seems wild to think that they could be, like, we want to get rid of Ryan Day. But, like. His seat is hot. Hot. 
hotter than it should be. It's hot. It's hot, and it's you lose to Michigan two years in a row, and apparently in, oh. in Ohio they're gonna send you. I'm surprised out. they didn't scrap it. To be honest with you, I am surprised they were just like, you know what? We are not going to play in the playoffs, actually, because what are we doing here? What is the point? I mean, and I guess, like, if you're them and you've got 85 five stars in your room and you're not winning. In fact, you got destroyed by Michigan this year. Um, I don't remember what happened last year. Who remembers what happened yesterday? It was but. close. It was, that, like, it was in a blizzard. It was that same day that Michigan State played Penn State. That's right. It was. It, oh, yeah. I drove to Ann Arbor in that trash. Oh, mm, prayers up. Um, anyway, like when you have that much talent in the room and you don't play well, you know, I I guess I understand um, the apathy there, but ugh, I don't know. I'm just I'm not excited about it. I'm ready to expand. Let's get some chaos in there. Let's have teams one and done. See who makes it. Um, let's move on. And my stance forever and always will be a hater and say I hope Michigan gets destroyed. Um, always. And that will be let's, my stance for the rest of time. <laughs> let's be clear. This is not this this is not a place where we take the stance that you should root for other teams in the Big Ten. No. Never this once. Is, Never I shan't. <laughs> I shan't do it. I've been wrong by too many teams. You can talk to somebody else about that. My dad yeah. every year tries to tell me, cheer for the Big Ten. And I say, no. why? I am fueled by hate. Yeah. And if I'm cheering for the Big Ten all willy-nilly, that stance is gone. And so I will not do it. I'm talking I, like a politician right I know, now. I won't do it. I stand mad at Michigan players when they go to the NFL. You know who yeah. I still hate? Freaking, oh, what's his name? On the no. line? No, not Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, oh. he, the offensive lineman that got into a fight with Will Golston, and he played for the Titans for a million years, and he has a really Oh, uh, Taylor Lewan? Taylor Lewan. I, well, he, he deserves it, to be, to be a, clear. It's also been like ten plus years since he played for Michigan. I'm still mad. I I, I will I stay mad. I will die mad. Um, and on that note, I think we're gonna go to a commercial <laughs> break. <laughs> so we can both, both take a take a breath. Take a, take uh, a quick breath here. <laughs> we'll be back to talk about our our favorite sons uh, after this. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Okay, and we're back. We're back, uh, and we've calmed right down. Look we, at us. We, Chill. We're so calm. We're no, n- notoriously calm when discussing basketball, <laughs> also. Like, definitely very not emotional when talking about our favorite child. It's true. And right now, our favorite children are coming off of a well-deserved 11-day break. It truly felt like the beginning of the season. I mean, they lit us on fire and threw us on a ship and said, well, good luck to you. Here we go. Um, and so it has been fast and furious, I think, that will do good things for us moving forward. But 
it has given everybody time to take a deep breath, to wrap their respective feet in bubble wrap, um, and get ready for for a Big Ten season, which is which is right around around the corner. But how how are we looking so far in in your opinion, Sarah? Like you said, it's been a real roller coaster. Yeah, we really have been through it. It's been like almost a whole season's worth of like ups and downs so far, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because they started off great. You know, they they had a chance to beat Gonzaga in a very tough circumstance. They did beat Kentucky. You know, they didn't play. They lost to Alabama at the PKI. It turns out Alabama's really good. So like, Brandon Miller is insane, insane. And, he and is they were short, so talented. And they're shorthanded in that game. So yeah. like, you know, hard to feel like bad, bad about that. Managed to come out of there with a solid couple of wins. They beat Villanova. You know, so like, yay, great. Um, and then. For some reason, Boo Booey still is here. How? He, he still exists. And they also got absolutely creamed by Notre Dame, which was just, I hated. I completely forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, because it so was did disgusting. They, I hope. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they burned that tape. I mean, it, that game, the thing about that game, when you, it, I truly do mean hopefully they burned that tape because that's just an example of like what would happen if everything went wrong. They hit every yep. three-pointer. There was nothing that we could do offensively. Again, shorthanded. Nobody came up. It was they on the road. Tired. They were Absolutely tired. Absolutely gassed. Yes. So you know that game sucked. Um, hated losing to Northwestern at home. Really. It always seems to happen though. Like it does. Of, of but late. like, can we not? Yeah, can, I would rather not. <laughs> but for with Boo Booey entering his twelfth season of eligibility, I just he will forever, <sighs> he will forever haunt us. And what's worse is they also had to mention Taylor Battle. And it was like, are, have we not? He's a coach a, for Northwestern now. I understand. But the two forces combined? No. Thank we've had enough. You should not let Taylor Battle in the building. I'm sorry. So you're banned. You're, 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 you're out. You're not allowed to come. You, you've got to go. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, but they have righted the ship a little bit. You know, they won against Penn State. I think... You know, Which is, I think is going to turn out to be a really big win, especially on the road in the long run. Jalen Pickett is so good, really talented. He's really come into his own um, this year. And so I think getting that win and like it sounds so stupid, like one and one is better than oh and two. Of course. Right. Of course. But I really think it sets the tone for the rest of the year to be able to come off of a tough loss at home, to go on the road to Penn State and fight in a very close, mm-hmm. very tough battle like to me, that that showed a lot. Still shorthanded. Let's be clear. Like Jaden is is back. Thank thank God. Though every time like he comes off the floor for like to tie a shoe or he needs a drink of water or something, I'm concerned the foot injury of Doom is going to come back to haunt us. But like having him back and getting in a rhythm is going to be you know is great for us in the long run. We're still shorthanded. They said Malik won't play um versus Oakland which we'll get into a little bit later so he's still not ready but that again I would rather have caution there I don't want him hurting himself versus Oakland when we're going to need him for for Big Ten season but we've really had to play a lot of the freshmen that I don't think are quite quite there yet um we can talk about my new favorite player um Jackson Kohler so I went to the PKI and he of course had to play a lot. Um, and first of all, cannot wait to get him into a Michigan state fitness program. He is gassed two minutes into the game. And I think 
part of the reason for that is because he's so hype. Like he's just so eager yeah. to get out there and run around, but then like run around for 10 seconds. And then he's like, coach, I got to come out. That's yeah. not great. Um, I don't think he's going to be our answer this year for big man minutes. But the other thing that concerns me there is like, we really need Madi to be consistent. I think it was the Gonzaga game that he played really well. And Kentucky. And Kentucky. He gave Toshibwe the work for sure. Yeah. And it's like, we need that guy more consistently than the guy who picks up three fouls in two minutes. Like, and I read a lot of articles heading into this pod to, to kind of have an idea of stances I wanted to take hot takes to bring to the table. And, and somebody referred to this year as the year of the big, which unsubscribe, I don't want it. <laughs> not no, interested. Not for us. But I mean, I'm not giving up on Madi. I think we've seen enough good stuff this year. But my concern is when Madi's not playing well, then you got to play Jackson Kohler for a long stretch of time. And I just don't know that he's there quite yet, you know? Or Carson Cooper, who's also, I mean, both, both of them. And I think Jackson Kohler, uh, you know, pros on Jackson Kohler. I think that we've had a couple of years where we've had guys with a certain amount of size who don't necessarily have the finesse. So like Bingham had height, but not bulk, right? Madi obviously has great size. And I think he looks, I looks great. Yeah. Look great. I mean, but we're not selling, you know, jerseys. We're playing basketball. And he <laughs> he does show some of that rawness of somebody who didn't come to the game until like a little bit later in their yeah. life. Um mm-hmm. Kohler in early in flashes has some of that instinct around the rim. He's getting his ass beat on defense a lot, but like I would expect nothing less of a freshman who's played fewer than 10 games in a college uniform. You know, he yeah. he's not ready to defend Drew Timmy um, yeah. or, or Oscar Tshibwe. Especially when he's 10 years older than you. Like, that's a lot right. of experience. And Drew Timmy could be Jackson Kohler's father. Let's be <laughs> let's be clear. But I think that Kohler does show a lot of promise. I think Cooper shows a lot of promise. Both of them yeah. obviously need an offseason, you know, before. But I think we can expect with continued playing time because you know sometimes also this goes like guys will get playing time early in the year and then their you know minutes will kind of taper off as the season sort of refines itself um so you know who knows what it's going to be like in february but i think with continued minutes i think both of those guys can pick up a lot of valuable experience this year and and be and be good i i I do think that both of them show a lot of promise i mean unfortunately we we do still have a big question mark at that five position and it's just like the only real answer is Madi has to play better. Um, smarter, I think, a little bit, smarter, you know, yeah. where it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, you have the length, you have the size, you know, you can compete down low, but like you got to be better in drawing fouls or when you're playing aggressive or don't get those stupid ticky tack fouls that take you out of the game because Izzo's not afraid to bench everyone, right. as we've seen. Um, and so it's just, when you're what we what we've got, you got to be more productive um, yeah. on the floor. I think the the other uh, how do I want to phrase this? The other exciting piece to this season, because we're going to choose to come at this from a positive angle, is the chaos of AJ. Like it or not, like it's going to be AJ's team, right? And I think as soon as we all accept that it's going to be chaos, the man 
is chaos. But you saw what he did versus Penn State, where I think some of that was like he's going back home. He had family there. Um, he talked some shit to Micah Shrewsbury, which will never not make me laugh. Like just talking shit to the opposing coach as you're running down the floor. It didn't make Izzo laugh, but it made me laugh, which is good for me. Um, and it's just going to be a bit chaotic. And I think an interesting angle on AJ this year is like, they need him to be a vocal leader. Um, and he is being aggressive. Like, you know, if Jackson doesn't get back on defense or something, he's not afraid to get in his face. The mm -hmm. issue is like, if you're not also holding yourself to that high standard, if you're just kind of tossing threes or being lackadaisical, you don't get that respect back out of your guys. And I think since he's has to be a leader on this team, that's somewhere that he can really work on and just know that like a lot of times when he's dribbling down the court, it's going to look wild and out of control, but a lot of the times it works. Yeah. This is a comparison that maybe people aren't going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh oh. Um, Aaron Henry's last season when he was mm. kind of the only good player on the team, we were like, yeah. look, you just have to take the good with the bad. Yep. He is going to turn the ball over five times. He is yeah. also going to score 30 points and have seven assists, right? right? Like you, And I think that that's a little bit. Now, there are times when AJ doesn't have to turn the ball over and he should think about what he's doing. <laughs> like this, some of the turnovers are really poor. But like, you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. he's just being very aggressive and sometimes that leads to turnovers. Like, you know what I mean? So like cutting down the turnovers just a little bit, getting rid of the dumb ones. I, yeah. I do also like, like just... Uh, we ran possibly the greatest inbounds play of all time in that win against Kentucky. Yes. And then now we can't run inbounds plays. What the hell? When we tried to lose to Portland in yeah. the PKI, yeah. it was exactly that nightmare that I feel like we've run into over and over the last couple of years where it's like, all you have to do is get the ball in. Right. All you have to do is get the ball inbounds. And we ran that beautiful masterpiece versus Kentucky, like you said. And now we're just kind of like, eh, I don't know. See so, where we go. <laughs> so I hope they've taken these 11 days off to work on that yeah. and to watch some film and to think about the, the turnover reduction. Uh, speaking of chaos, the man who will be the end of me. And this, I'll is miss not you. this is not shit talking. This no. is just the continued journey that is Joseph Hauser. You're not one guy. I think that he is playing the best he has ever played yeah. for Michigan State right now. It, he it, looks great. Let's be clear. He worked out in the offseason. It's great. And I think that uh, – but, ha, however, two things about Joe. Yes. Joseph, our friend, our pal. One, he is still incredibly streaky. So, like, if he starts the game playing badly, he never gets better. You know what I mean? Or very rarely gets better. He he. Yeah. Yeah. He misses a lot of shots early. He just keeps missing shots. He he doesn't have a lot of, like, flex, a lot of resilience. And, like, that can be really frustrating. Because when he's canned in threes, you're like, yeah, great, Joey. Score 25 points. We love to see it. But if he's not, if he's not, then he stops shooting. And yeah. he stops. He just stops. So it's like, that's very frustrating. And we don't have enough people for you to go into yourself. Yeah. Right. Like we don't we don't have enough right now where yes. like and and to be clear, like I don't want him out there jacking up terrible threes. But like, no, you know, try to be a little productive as opposed to just like going into yourself. And and yes, that's the thing. And, and that I totally agree with that. And that's the other thing I was going to say is his decision making is also bad. Like it's 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 and 
that this is one of the things that they're going to have to work on. But yeah, Hauser has to like, I don't know, man, let the game come to him a little more, I yeah. guess. Like he's he's got to work within that offense. And then I think the other sort of issue is like we're kind of in this because of the aforementioned discussion about like the three, the center play, you know, we, we lose a lot of like inside out pick and roll, you know, type action. And yeah. so what we have, all of our best players are shooters. What we yes. have is Tyson, Joey, Jaden, and, and this is also with Malik being out, right? Tyson, yep. Joey, Jaden, and AJ all trying to shoot. Yes. And, and like, Pierre. And, and Pierre, Pierre when he's on the floor. Or PJ Brooks. I don't know. What's he going by this year? I don't, I, is it, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway. Too much perimeter shooting. They need, and I hope again, this is something they've worked on in this in this week and a half off. Yeah. They need to rebalance the offense, whether that's more slashing to the middle and like Tyson. This this becomes problematic because he's little, he's a little and sometimes guy. he gets in there and it's like, oh Tyson, you you sorry you you've run out of room. Yeah. Um, and, and AJ is more equipped for slashing to the basket, but again, then sometimes he just totally loses control. So it's like yeah. there needs they need to find some harmony. Yeah. in the offense just just more I think they have pieces there I just it just needs more balance and honestly Malik obviously is the glue guy for yeah. this team you know yeah. he is just such an all-purpose player he can set a screen he's a great defender he can shoot mid-range jumpers he can shoot threes he can take it down low you know he's smart he's been on the team a long time and like they yeah. just they simply need him. Yes. <laughs> so there's you know, his foot because. When I read the news um, that he was out with a stress reaction um, the night before the, the PKI started, yeah. first I wept um, as the president of the Malik Hall fan club. It was a crushing blow to not be able to see him play um, in person. But I spent a lot of time kind of observing his role on the bench. Um, and what I loved to see was that he would sit with Izzo a lot and he would talk to him about plays. He would get after the guys, which, you know, Izzo loves nothing more than a player on his team who was willing to help him coach. And Malik really, I mean, what else was he going to do? But you could see a lot of people like shrink into the injury and not really be involved with their team. And he was not that he was up. He was active. He was talking to guys. He was in the huddle yelling where necessary, or if somebody was drawing the fire, um, of one of the coaches or of Izzo, he would talk to him and be like, okay, here's what we're going to do next. Here's what we're going to get after um, out there. And so I really appreciated that. And so I'm, I'm hopeful when, when he's able to play again, and they said he has been practicing and, and yesterday he was doing a lot of drills and essentially they were going to take today and see if he was still in any pain. Um, and hopefully he's not, but he was really being active. And then, you know, it will take him a little bit, of time to get back up to speed, but I, I have no doubts that, that he's going to get there. And I think the guys know what they're going to get out of him as a teammate. And he had a time, he had a period of time to really grow into a leader. And so I'm excited to see what he can bring to the floor. And also I think like when you watched him play against Gonzaga and Kentucky, his defense is really what we're yeah, missing absolutely. right now, where oftentimes he's guarding their best shooter. And so right now you're kind of doing defense by committee on the best guys, which you've seen in some of our issues recently. His defense is really good and he's really going to be active and smart out there. And so without that missing piece, I think that's where we've really struggled. I mean, he's never scoring like 
40 points a game every once in a while he is but I think bringing that x factor of his defense back to the team is going to be huge especially going into Big Ten play you know it starts up real quick um, into January and so I'm just eager to see him fit back into there and I think also it'll take a little bit of pressure off Jaden to get back and be and be active just with how young Jaden is obviously talented Um, but I think they'll be able to go a little bit easier on him um, and then see where we end up in the long run. But and it also um, takes some pressure off of Hauser, right? Yeah, so like yeah. Joey is taking a lot, playing a lot of minutes, taking a lot of the brunt of that scoring, that defense, you know, yes. mm-hmm. you know, and Jason Whiten's bless his heart <laughs> can go back to the bench. He's uh, having a great time. I'm proud of him. Uh, yes. We love to see it, but also, you know, it's, it's certainly not an upgrade at the position. Uh, um, okay, so that's what's going on in Michigan State. What's going on around the Big Ten? What do we got going on? So here's the thing about the Big Ten is I I don't know who's who's great yet. I would I think we're in another season where like nobody is great, but there is clear talent there. The team that I refuse to accept. Um, just out of spite, is Purdue. They're allegedly ranked number one in the country right now, um, which a lot of that has to do with Zach Eady, of course. Mm-hmm. And then they added in the X factor of Fletcher Lawyer, Foster's younger brother, um, who has been playing really well as kind of a really um, underrated freshman. I'm struggling here with the Fletcher Lawyer praise. But... The indignity of Fletcher Lawyer being like six foot two or however right? tall he is. Yeah. Is just, is he six foot four? God bless Foster Lawyer's tiny little heart. If he was six foot four, yeah. he would have been, He, you know, I am a Foster Lawyer apologist. I don't care. Fight with your mom about it. Don't fight with me. I, I but the, he was just so small, and that's yeah. why he was successful at Davidson. The yeah. fact that Fletcher Lawyer is six foot four is rude and unjust, and yeah, I refuse to accept it. So I have a hot take about Purdue, but I'm not going to say it now. I'm going to okay. save it for later. But I I remain skeptical of Purdue. Congratulations on being ranked number one right now. I'm a wait and see there. If there's one thing Michigan State fans are going to do, it's not believe in Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> <It's true>. <laughs> <laughs> if we there's one thing we can not. all agree on, it is meh to Purdue. Um, and I am fine with that moving forward. Um, I saw something terrifying today about how it could be Purdue versus Indiana for um, the Big Ten title. I'm like, blech. <laughs> Um, so Indiana returned Trace Jackson Davis, who is incredibly talented, and they're not bad, um, but they got murdered by Rutger. But upon reflection, whom amongst us, you know, um, it's hard to go into Piscataway and get out intact, you know? I mean, which is a wild statement to make if you think about the state of Rutger basketball five years ago. But like, also, I don't know, I feel like they've had, this isn't their best team in recent no. memory. You know what I mean? They're, they are not terrible, but, I mean, you know, if Indiana, if you're supposed to be a conference, I mean, the, going back to who is good? Who? who, who? who yeah. Um, I mean, and the thing about Rutger is, like, they have so many people who are who are still there, like Mulcahy. How are you still playing? I think mostly as I get older, I, re- I forget how long time is, right, where now they can get... Well, 
they can play for four years and then they can get a COVID year, which is, you know, which is fine. I don't have any, I don't have any issue there. Or Amaruye has been there for a long time, right? I was gonna say, I think the COVID year really threw a wrench in the works because okay. guys, guys have really gotten, guys who have no business having any eligibility left have this extra COVID year, and you're like, sir, please go. Like you can rent a car. You've gotta, <laughs> you've gotta go. Like you don't need to be here anymore. Exactly. Um, another team that I think is a little bit of a mystery still is like, what is Maryland up to? And why did they lose by 27 to UCLA? First, I'll say on the UCLA part, like they're essentially the same team that beat Michigan State in the first four. So they made me so angry um, just to watch what I did of that game. And, and they're they're pretty good. But Maryland has been super, super up and down. Um, they beat Illinois pretty handedly. Um but then again, like when you lay an egg like you they did against UCLA, I don't know. It's it's early too. I think that's that's my hottest take here on on Maryland. I'm just not so sure what to make of them. Yeah, I think that a lot of teams I don't know what to make of them. Like, you know, Michigan, Michigan State plays Michigan very early uh yeah. in the season this year. They lost to Kentucky. Uh they had a big injury to was their point guard who's their name point was? guard, Lou Ellen, yep. Don't know and I won't learn. But Kobe Bufkin is pretty good, I guess. Yeah. And yep. you've got you know, sons of Juwan there. And Hunter Dickinson still Blech. for some reason. Sarah and I Sarah asked me a couple weeks ago who I think has the most punchable face in, in college <laughs> basketball. Or was it in the big time or was it it doesn't matter. The answer is still the same. It's Hunter Dickinson. Like that's just a person that I'm sick of. I don't yeah. care for him. I mean, losing your point guard for the rest of the season this early is terrible I don't yeah, think that's scorching to say um and so I think they they've been left scrambling a little bit but like you said we'll see very early how we how we match up with them yeah. um and yeah I just yeah Hunter Dickinson I hate watching him play basketball and I will not apologize for that yeah. and so that's all I have to say about that uh, moving on to Illinois, in the offseason, they used a very interesting strategy where they picked up every available Baylor transfer that they could um, in Dane Danger and Matthew Meyer um, to see if that would help things, although Meyer lost his mullet. So I just I feel like they lost um, a bit of a, a step there. Um, so Illinois has lost to Maryland and they got murdered by Penn State, but then mm -hmm. they also beat Texas. Uh, Texas was number two at the time. They're still ranked pretty high. They're number seven. Um, so really up and down. I think they're suffering from the, we've got a lot of transfers and we're all pretty good individually, but we have no idea how to play together. They've ha they've been real streaky in games so far where like, you know, they go eight minutes without a point. Um, and, and that's hard to maintain throughout a season. So I think they can get better later. Um, they just have to figure out what they look like, um, as a team this year. I'm shaking my head. Cause I'm looking at the top 25. You texted me about this before <laughs> I recorded, but like, I simply refuse to accept like at least half of this. Like, I just, I, I don't believe in any of it. Like let's move to a new system where, we don't have rankings until like the first week of February or something, I mean, because this is like, all fake. Yeah. Purdue is number <laughs> one. UConn is number two, which yeah. we all know how I feel about UConn. And I like, you will never get over 
whatever thing was fueling your hate earlier, I will never get over Shabazz Napier um, beating Michigan State. So UConn is out for me. Houston, I don't know. Who do you play? Kansas is Kansas. Um, Arizona, Virginia wins games by scoring 30 points. So, like, I hate playing them, but I would accept playing them in the tournament where we do pretty right. well. Knock on wood. So we have Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas all in the top 10. Like, that's just, that's just, I mean, Alabama is pretty good. I guess, yeah. I, I suppose I will acquiesce that Alabama I, is pretty good. It just, it just all seems very it just all seems very made up right now yeah and it's um, gonna end up being like chalk in the uh ncaa yeah. tournament watch it like duke ends up winning or I mean, something who knows like it's 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 still this is the point though it's still so early it's, it's very slow. chaotic teams have had a lot of upheaval over the past couple of years yep. you know who knows who knows what's gonna happen exactly and then the last team in the big 10 i thought we should mention is iowa which i again mm, but they do have Chris Murray, who has played really well so far this year, um, and he's an incredible talent for them. I think not out of nowhere, but really in his brother's shadow um, the last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But he can't do it alone, and I suppose what he's got is the Sons of Fran to help him out. Um, Fran still has two children playing for him, so good for you and enduring all your frantrums. Iowa is still a team. Um, there they are. <laughs> so Michigan State, as we've said a bunch already, coming off an 11 day break uh, tomorrow or today, probably when you're listening to this, they are about to play Oakland, the annual kind of Michigan State Oakland pre-Christmas uh, game. And, and they are going to have our old friend, Mark Rocket Watts, Mark Rocket Watts. For, for Oakland. Now he was at uh, Mississippi State last year and unfortunately did not play much. He was injured. Um, and so he really couldn't get anything going. He hasn't been like he hasn't been crazy good yet this year for Oakland. But I think, you know, when you're playing your old team um, and things kind of ended maybe a little bit poorly there, Justin, he I don't think he was getting the playing time that he wanted. Um, you know, I think it will fuel him. And knowing how these things go, he will probably go off for like 30. But, you know, I am. A Mark Rocket Watts uh, defender. I always yeah. liked him. I was sad when he transferred. I think that you know he he had had has a lot of talent. So you know it, it's good to see him still with the team. Greg Campy's a great coach. You know I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but this game is always annoying. It annoys me every year because Campy's a great coach and because you know this is just sort of a big game for Oakland. They really want to give Michigan State a pain in the ass. Um, Game was annoying last year. It was very close right up until halftime. Michigan State ended up winning by 12. Uh, one guy who is still on the team uh, who was a pain last year is Jalen Moore. He put up 25 points and 11 assists uh, on Michigan State last year. He is listed on the roster as 5'11". Someone please guard him because you know that means he's 5'9". It's like me. That's my height. It's like me. I mean, not to say that I'm a... Uh, college don't, basketball caliber athlete don't However, sell yourself short i am also not very tall in the in the basketball scale this yeah. guy just absolutely killed michigan state last year so i would like to see that not happen again um they also have their leading scorer trey townsend he had 14 against msu last year he's averaging i think about 18 so far this year so, you know, they've got a couple of guys who can score. Um, another thing we can learn from last year is we had a really nice balanced scoring effort, um, but the top scorers were uh, our old pal, 
Cormac, Max Christie, uh, with 17 points, Marcus Bingham with 17 points, and Gabe Brown with 14 points. So a lot of scoring from last year's contest that uh, MSU is going to have to replace. They have our old friend uh, Cormac. He had a couple big threes for the Lakers the other night, and he still looks 12, and I just cannot believe he is playing in the NBA. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's only 19 or maybe yeah. 20. He's not, and he not looks like 12, old. though. A youthful face. <laughs> Real youthful. So, so, yeah, a lot of scoring to re- – like I said, Michigan State had 90 points in this game last year, which seems like an unfathomable amount, but this is also not um, Oakland's best team. You know, yeah. some year they really uh, have quite a good team. This year they uh, have gotten, they've only won two games, one of which was a two-point win against Eastern, one of which was against someone called Defiance that I don't even know what that is. Um, so, they, you know, they're, they're, but they are, they're going to hang in there. We know that they're going to make it interesting. Yeah, exactly. And then um, – Right after that, we hop right into, um, oh, we play Buffalo after that on the 30th. And then we head into Big Ten play starting with Nebraska on January 3rd and then Michigan on January 7th and Wisconsin on January 10th. So it's definitely not going to be easy. I think the Big Ten should be super competitive. I don't think anybody runs away with it. Um, hopefully, the heavy slate early on helps us in the long run, and we have a better idea of what sort of team that we have. Um, and so, you know, I'm feeling okay so far. I think we've we've shown some some great stuff. I I will forever be shocked that we didn't get annihilated by Gonzaga. I thought we were truly. we were truly going to get run off that ship, and we didn't. Um, so good for that. We may have broken Kentucky. People are talking, um, which is always exciting. And I think, you know, they're figuring things out and having to get through this stretch, hopefully the last one of the year where they're super shorthanded um, and everybody stays healthy the rest of the way. So I think it will be fun. Um, I'm ready to get hurt again. Sign me right up uh, year after year. That That's what we do. And obviously, though, looking at the Big Ten schedule, I just I just looked past the Michigan game for the first yeah. time. So if we let's ignore the Nebraska game, it's on January 3rd. It's Nebraska. We have Michigan on January 7th. Then we have, and these are current rankings, number 17, Wisconsin on January 10th, number 16, Illinois on January 13th, and then number one, Purdue on January 16th. So that well, is in nine days for quite good basketball teams. So, you know, I hope they enjoyed their time off. I hope they rest and recuperate in this next, you know, week or so when they have these um only a couple games and against, you know, some some lower caliber opponents, because once Big Ten season starts, we're off to the races, baby. Here we go. OK, and for our final segment today, um, we've decided to wade into the fire here, toss another Yule log on because we've got some hot takes. Um, and first, we're going to start with our MSU basketball hot takes. Sarah, what have you got for the audience? Uh, this this goes back to to my nemesis, the bane of my existence, Joseph Hauser. He will continue to make me insane, but I think he I think he could end up being MSU's leading scorer by the end of the year. I, I think that if he finds some consistency, and he's been shooting better than he has, um, and he can score in a lot of ways, uh, it, it it may just be that the Michigan State basketball team's offense goes as Joey Hauser goes, as scary uh, a proposition as that. I just is. started sweating. Um, yeah. 
That's that's the correct reaction. But thank you. <laughs> My hot take is in uh, direct contradiction to yours, and I think Malik is going to emerge from the infirmary to lead MSU in scoring. So listen, I will have them battle it out. And my hot take is probably clouded by how much I love Millie Call, but you know what? I'm comfortable with that take. I'm comfortable in that space. I love that yours is a take born out of love and mine is a take born out of like absolute madness. Like <laughs> <laughs> We can uh, dive in deeper with our therapists about what yeah. that actually means. So we'll take we'll take that to another pod. Um, and then looking around the Big Ten, I've got a take that I alluded to earlier. And it is my disdain for Purdue basketball. And my take is that Purdue is going to lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I haven't watched a second of Purdue this year, so uh, sure. Thank you. Thank you I, for I, I support you. I just think that, I mean, kind of what we were talking about alluding to earlier. I, If they lose in the first week of the tournament, weekend of the tournament, whatever. But, like, I do not have any confidence in Matt Painter, full stop, period. Like, I think whatever they do this year is probably going to end up being disappointing for them. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Purdue fans. Do you think that they think they can win a national title? (sighs) Yes. Okay. I do. I I mean, you know, they weren't that far away. They did make the Final Four, like, what, four or five years ago? Mm -hmm. 2019? So, like, you know, if you're that... I don't remember what they did last year, but if if you're that fan base, you have to think, oh, we're right there. Yeah. And when you and, have Zach Eady, like you're you're going to be competitive. I don't, I don't know how this. Again, I have not watched any Purdue basketball this year, but I don't yeah. know how this team is better than that 2019 team with Carson Edwards. Um, yeah. I I so I don't know what you know narrative you're feeding yourself, except that. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But like I said, I don't have any confidence. For me, it comes down to Matt Painter. Like, yeah. the thing about the NCAA tournament is coaching matters. Yeah. It's a weird anomaly in basketball because basketball is a lot of times just a function of pure physical talent. But in the NCAA tournament, coaching really, really matters. And I don't think that Matt Painter is um, – I just have no faith in him. Yeah. Um, speaking fair. of petty-ass tournament takes, Tell me. I think that Michigan is not going to make the tournament. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. They lost their, like we said, they lost their yeah. point guard. I think that they're they've got a real uphill struggle. Yes. They've got they they're they're gonna have a real uphill battle. You know, is it possible they put together some great wins in the Big Ten and 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 you know do make it? Yes. But are they gonna have a real tough time? Also, yes. I think you know yeah. just injuries are tough. Like I said before, I exist on hate um, and being a hater, and so I support you in this take. And it's another situation where I don't – somebody's going to have to prove to me that Juwan Howard is a good coach. Yeah. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting yeah. for the for the proof that he, yeah. you know, is a top-tier college basketball coach. Yeah. Um, and maybe he will – you know, that's why these takes are hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're not here playing cautiously, right? We came here scorched earth style. So. This is not. This is also not a situation where we are the kind of people who like bet on sports. This is no. just like you know, don't put your money on this shit. This is just us talking out of our. Don't listen to us. Do don't. listen to us, but don't do follow us. our advice. Don't listen to us. Um, college basketball overall. Yes. My hot take is Drew Timmy finally graduates and leaves Gonzaga to sell insurance. <laughs> right. He can sell cars or insurance or whatever. He yeah. Can do. 
Uh, Whatever way he wants to grow, go. I, basketball take is uh, no one is good. This goes back to looking at the top twenty-five. I, it's all fake. I don't think anyone is any good. I I I need to be proven wrong. Um, everyone sucks. So you know, <laughs> let's let's hope for chaos. And those are the most fun seasons. And it's already been very chaotic. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's already been highly chaotic. I mean, like, UNC started preseason number one. I just going to say, what is yeah. UNC doing? <laughs> they are not ranked. What is ranked UNC yet. doing? Anymore. What is Kentucky doing? Yeah. What is Duke doing? The only team that's even somewhat living up to expectations is Kansas. Yeah. Right? Kansas was started out top five, still top five. Great for you, Kansas. Everybody else is a disaster. Um half the teams that are ranked now weren't ranked preseason uh, and and we barely even started conference play so correct everybody um and since you left twitter i did ask for some hot takes online um and i think we got one that that could be fun to talk about um this comes from sergeant sparty um, and he says this year's men's basketball season will be more enjoyable than next year's mega class breeds expectations, which lead to stress this year. I don't know what to expect. So it should be a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, expectations are uncomfortable. That is yes. certainly, that is certainly true. Um, and we, I can think of a couple of seasons where we had very high expectations that inevitably ended in disaster. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is, that is true. I, I will say I, I personally don't enjoy like not knowing which team is going to show up on any given night, which is a yeah. little bit where I feel like we are right now. Like, I feel like this team has the potential to be good, but I'm not entirely sure we're going to get the good team. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> at any given tip-off so like i don't know i i, I see the point here but I, I i also would like i don't know I, I miss i miss consistency i miss being like good <laughs> yeah and to be honest with you um as a as a michigan state fan when there are expectations i find that like i just kind of shrink to it yeah. right we're like i'm skeptical that a all of them are going to come play B, we're going to escape the first year without any sort of injury or see that everybody will live up to the hype. I'm always just skeptical, right? I'm re- I'm, I'm going to be hurt. I'm scarred. I know this. This is years and years of being a Michigan State fan. So I think we all have to remind ourselves of that possibility. But I understand where Sergeant Smarty is coming from, where it's just like, everybody's going to be paying attention next year. Nobody really yeah. knows who we are this year. And I think we're all still figuring that out. But when you have that massive class, when you have all of those top rated recruits coming, you know, I will also say like, it's going to take some time for them to figure out how to play together. They're right. all going to show up. You know, it'll be interesting to see who stays next year. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. We don't know what's going to happen this year, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, how does it all fit together? Um, And Tom is of course one of, one of the best in the biz. So I'm sure he can figure it out, but like, it's going to take some time. I don't see us coming out of the gates and being the best team forever. I don't want that actually, you know, I want to see them figure things out. So I get, we'll see, but um, it, yeah, it definitely should, should be interesting. For sure. Yeah. Do you and I are definitely both the same way where it's like, oh, are we ranked like preseason, like top 10? No, please, please nope. look elsewhere. Please elsewhere. do not, do not perceive us. We do not want to be perceived. Let us sort of like suffer inside. Yeah. Exactly. 
All right. Well, I think I think that about does it um, for us for this year. As always, it has been a blast to be able to pop on and bring a little holiday sports cheer um, your way. Um, looking forward to a healthy rest of 2022 and into 2023, and and we'll see where we go from here. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. See ya. See ya.